You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? 7-0, Eric. Um, yeah, a, a weird game. This was a very weird game, but the, the least weird <laughs> thing about it was the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks won in another blowout, right? I mean, this is just, uh, the Bucks are now boring. They're just, they're just boring. They just <laughs> score tons of points. They defend well enough. Um, I mean, they've been second in defense coming into this game. And final numbers tonight, 115 offensive rating, 101 defensive rating in a game that obviously was missing kind of the two marquee guys in Giannis due to concussion protocol and Kawhi due to rest, which was a little bit interesting. Um, and obviously also Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi missing for for Toronto. So certainly this was not a full-strength Raptors team. So obviously it was not a full-strength Bucks team. But, you know, the idea of the Celtics and Raptors being the class of the East is largely predicated on depth. And the Milwaukee Bucks are looking pretty deep these days. <laughs> yeah, let's go through uh, the box real quick. Uh, Bucks leading scorer tonight, of course, was Ersan Ilyasova because that's a thing that we would expect uh, with Giannis out. Uh, Ersan with 19 and 10 tonight. Uh, up next, Malcolm Brogdon and Eric Bledsoe with 17 apiece. Uh, Brogdon a plus 27. More on him later. I want to talk about him for a little while. Uh, Thonmaker. Oh, excuse me. Chris Middleton, 14 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 steals. Uh, Thon Maker, 11 points. Tony Snell, 11 points. Oh, and I forgot Dante DiVincenzo, 12 points. Um, Yeah, that is what real depth looks like. Uh, That is uh, 7 guys in double figures. Uh, Brooke Lopez just barely missed out with 9. Pat Connaughton had 8. Yeah, like this is just kind of... This is kind of what it looks like, and um, it kind of goes back to the other night when, you know, after that that game on Saturday, I'd asked Giannis, hey, uh, you know, what does it kind of say about your team that Pat Connaughton is 10th in your rotation, he's a guy that played 82 games last year, and Giannis just goes like, you know, that's what I'm saying, like, this team is really deep, and yeah, it... Uh, going into the game in my head, I was thinking, okay, you know, is it to me, it kind of became like, okay, is the Bucks two for 13, two through 13 on the roster better than the Raptors two for 13? And then it was like, okay, well, Fred Van Vliet is, Van Vliet is out uh, as well. OG Ananobi. So, okay, it's not really the two through 13, but, uh, you know, the the Raptors are a very deep team and the Bucks aren't supposed to be quite as deep. So, okay, maybe that that evens things out. And it did not. The, the Bucks were just uh, a really, just a, an impressive team effort tonight. And, you know, when you think through kind of how that game went down, Chris Middleton had five points at halftime. Like, <laughs> 
Yeah, he had uh, granted he had five assists, so like don't I don't want to like underplay that you know he was like totally out of the game, but you know you think of the Bucks of the past, Giannis goes out, Middleton's going to try to go for forty, and that's going to be you know how this team kind of uh, finds a way to win, and you know Middleton shot it eleven times tonight. That was behind Ilya Silva and Bledsoe, who had 12 apiece. That was tied with Brogdon, who had 11. Uh, Lopez got up 10 shots. DiVincenzo got up 9. Connaughton got up 8. Like This is just a, a very even kind of game. And uh, I know we talked to Mike Boonholzer before the game, and like I, I'd asked this question, and I, I, I probably phrased it wrong, but it's I asked, you know, do you kind of take some pride in the fact that your system is in many ways kind of plug and play that, you know, like you're never going to be able to replace a Giannis, but so much of what they do is predicated on the, on the idea that, okay, if you're going to play for us, uh, you're going to be able to shoot a little bit. You're going to be able to handle a little bit. Uh, you're going to have to pass the ball a little bit. You're going to have to make smart cuts. You're going to have to use your brain. Like you're going to have to do all these things. And, uh, you know, like that, works out well when you lose your best player or you lose a player like you, you can just throw someone else in and go and, and that's largely what the bucks did tonight in a 124 109 win yeah it's it's weird right i mean the, I, I when i say weird game i mean you know kyle lowry 0 for 9 from three um yep. uh, missing van vliet i mean there, there are two other point guards that they played lorenzo brown and delon Wright. i mean are two guys who basically are afraid to shoot threes so with lowry missing firing misfiring i mean you had basically no you know, no, I mean, I don't want to say Lowry. Lowry's always a threat from three, but obviously he just was shooting blanks tonight. Um, did have 15 assists um, and and got, you know, especially a lot of assists off of Serge Ibaka having a great night. So it was weird because you had basically a really poor guard play and then you had Serge Ibaka going off for 30 points on 21 shots. I, I'm shocked he went 12 out of 21. It felt like he missed like three shots all night. Um, and Pascal Siakam was really good tonight as well. 22 points, 10 out of 16 um, eight boards, two assists, four steals, a block. It seemed like he got basically himself matched up with Urson like 10 feet from the basket, like over and over again, and just like went to work every time. Um, but also we saw some of the Achilles heel. He was over four from three. So um, I thought Siakam looked great. He looked really good switching on defense as well. Um, and, you know, it, it was hard because like Middleton kind of, it seemed like Middleton like repeatedly found himself in switches against Siakam in particular, but then also, you know, even Ibaka or whatever. And, you know, Chris had a hard time kind of really breaking those guys down. And what he had, I think, one field goal going into the fourth quarter and then nailed like three threes seemingly in the blink of an eye um, as the Bucks just completely blew it, blew it open. Um, so it was interesting because I mean, Middleton, as you said, like did not have his A game, especially for three quarters, really had a nice playmaking night with eight assists and a couple steals. Um, but certainly, like if the, you know, you would think like, okay, Giannis is out, you need Middleton to really step up scoring wise. You know, Bledsoe to step up scoring wise. Like Lopez is obviously like, eh, hopefully he scores. Lopez had a quiet night scoring, um, had some good in- interior defensive moments with a couple blocks. Um, also, like a disrespectful uh, dunk uh, and and rim hang on <laughs> Jonas Valanciunas, which I enjoyed. Um, but even Bledsoe started really slow. I think he was one out of four, like felt like he was one out of four, like midway through the second, had a couple of like, really lazy passes that ignited fast breaks the other way. And then Bledsoe started to get it going. And as you mentioned, Finch was 17 and eight assists, um, hit a couple threes in the second half. But um, yeah, I mean, you really, you really got to give a lot of credit to, to Ilyasova for, you know, having a real hot start. 
um, getting seems like most of his points in the first half uh, and really punishing the the Raptors when they they sagged off him. And, um, you know, Brogdon, who we talked about in the last podcast, had a really nice weekend um, looking like he was starting to kind of turn the corner a little bit and um, getting getting better play, seeing the Bucks perform better with him on the court, which kind of hadn't happened um, in the first, you know, four or five games. Um, and then Thon Maker, I mean, all of his points came in the first half, um, but he, he was a really positive uh, effect on the game. Um, you know, we were joking <laughs> on Twitter about him, you know, being him, him, him and Henson as your two big men was like the ultimate heat check moment for Mike Budenholzer thinking like, can you actually make with, uh, and, with Dante and Tony, I think, and right? Brogdon, like it yeah. was, yeah. and Brogdon, yeah, Brogdon Snell, DiVincenzo, Maker, Henson. The, I mean, if you ever wanted to know if, if Mike Budenholzer feels like a golden God at the moment, that was <laughs> it. Like, because uh, I mean, that, that is one hell of a heat check. Yeah. And, and that lineup, I mean, Thon got all his points in the first half, but, I believe that was the exact lineup that he went to late in the third quarter when the game mm-hmm. went to single digits. And, um, you know, I think it may have gotten down to six at one point in the third, late in the third quarter. And, um, yeah. I, I mean, again, like if this is, you know, Jason Kidd putting out that lineup, you're like, how stupid are you that you think you can get away with it? Right? <laughs> um, playing the way the Bucks played last year, like you just, there just isn't enough, you know, movement to say movement and sort of shooting to, to kind of save that that group but um, again like this year again I don't think it's really wise to be playing you know especially without Giannis I think you would really want to split up Bledsoe and, and Middleton more to kind of create keep more of those playmakers on the court but um you know by the same token Middleton wasn't shooting well um Bledsoe started to come around and and Brogdon though has has been able to more and more kind of carry the load in these kind of like short spurts and um you know Dante DiVincenzo hitting um you know uh well i, I don't want to call it a, a sam cassell where the big balls dance three because i mean it's the third quarter of game seven <laughs> but um you know hitting basically to end the third quarter a i don't know 28 30 foot three from straight away off the dribble mm-hmm. um that was an awesome an awesome play to really kind of you know blow out not blow out the lead but you know really ensure that the bucks uh, gave them a 15 point lead going into the final quarter and um, you know, they, they didn't lose a single quarter last night, uh, tonight, won the first by one, second by eight, third by three, by six and fourth quarter by were, were even fourth quarter was the only one they didn't score 30 points in. And, um, you know, again, like it's not going to happen every night, but you know, when you get DiVincenzo playing both ways with, you know, good energy doing Dante DiVincenzo things, um, Tony Snell kind of quietly continues to shoot the ball really well, four out of five tonight, three out of three from three. A rebound and assist, a seal, a block, plus twenty for the game. Um, Tony Snell has actually like fit in really well as a as a backup, as like a you know fifteen to twenty minute guy. It's been really encouraging to see, I think. Um, and you know Connaughton as well. You know hitting <laughs> hitting a couple more threes tonight. Had eight boards in sixteen minutes. Um, you know it just seems like everybody that they've plugged into that rotation has been able to give them good minutes. And you know again, I think. I think the big takeaway for me, and I don't know if I learned, and it's, it's kind of hard to say we learned a lot about like, you know, how these teams are going to play each other because of just the weirdness of the people that were missing. You know, I don't know if we, you know, necessarily sure. have like a preview of like what these teams would look like in the East finals or something like that. But um, I, I think, again, I think the, what's so encouraging is, uh, and I think it was, I think I was listening to, Maybe it have been Zach Lowe or I don't know. Someone was talking about, you know, just basically how certain franchises just sort of have like the infrastructure um, in place to their default is to be good, 
right? Like the Spurs over the years. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. Golden State kind of goes without saying, um, but like Boston, you know, these teams tend to have, you know, they tend to be well run and they have very good established coaches, you know, Miami, another one, right? Like not a super talented team, but every year, you know, that they're going to be probably a playoff team because of Spo and what he's been able to do in the culture there. And it just feels like, you know, with Budenholzer, I mean, it's so early, but it just feels like this team has like suddenly has this like infrastructure of what they're doing on both ends that, you know, whether it's obviously we talk a lot about the scheme and the approach and the mindset um, of the coaches and what they've instilled in the players, but also, you know, the skill sets of the players and the complementary nature and kind of the, you know, again, winning breeds good chemistry and it's kind of a circular thing, obviously. Um, but it just seems like there is, there's a really good backbone to what the bucks are, are doing right now. And at some point, in theory, they will lose a game. <laughs> they will probably have some, some, you know, weeks or couple week period this this season when they will, you know, fall off and have some struggles and whatever. You know, tonight I, I have made reference to the, you know, the nine out of forty five shooting night from three that's going to happen at some point tonight. It was the Raptors that had that, um, while the Bucks hit nineteen out of forty five again, um, tying the uh, the all time franchise record. But how did uh, not, how did one of those not go down? They had four shots at it uh, late, and uh, all, yeah, all of us were just sitting there like, "Oh, come on! Like someone's got to yeah. do it," uh, and, and just just couldn't get it done. But that's okay. They'll they'll save it for another night. I mean, I just think there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. Um, I'm trying to think exactly, man, I'm trying to pinpoint the moment it was last year, but I, I don't know if you remember this, but we ended up talking about role players and yeah. we talked about, you know, you know, do the Bucks really have any role players? Are, are any of these guys any good? Can, can they really fit in and, and, you know, make something happen? Like, cause if they can't, then, you know, their, their, their long-term success going forward is, is in jeopardy. And we kind of stumbled on a belief that I think we knew we had, but didn't really like ever state. But it's just kind of like, you know, bad teams and poorly coached teams rarely have good role players. Like if you think through all of your favorite role players in the league, you're probably going to find guys that are on teams that are coached very well. And like, I just think that, all of those things, like the Bucks, obviously added two guys in free agency and Brooke Lopez uh, and Ersani Elisova. So it does help to, you know, move some guys down the pecking order a little bit. But, you know, a lot of these guys were pretty meh last season. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, these guys, these are good role players. Like this could work. And like, I just think, you know, when you're trying to figure out what's going to happen going forward, like that infrastructure is so incredibly big and, you know, having a good coach and bud come in and kind of have these things, you know, makes it a little bit easier. And tonight he was asked, um, he was asked kind of about the idea that, you know, a lot of these guys are the same guys. And do you, do you think it's more about your system? Do you think it's more about the players? And uh, he, he had a very Greg Popovichian answer uh, by saying, like, you know, if, if someone tells you it's not the players, they're crazy. Like, you got to have good players. And, I mean, I, I do think uh, tonight was one of those nights where 
uh, all of the people that say Giannis doesn't have a supporting cast. Uh, what did you say about Sixers fans the other night? They can suck it. Um, I, I think that would be <laughs> appropriate for anyone who thinks like the Bucks don't have a supporting cast here in Milwaukee. Like, there's some really good players here, and you know, like I, I think tonight was one of those nights, and I would agree with Coach Bud that yeah, they are they are talented, but. You know, we've seen these talented guys really have nights where they don't look very good. We had, I mean, full months where they didn't look very good last year. We had a full season where some of them didn't look very good last year. And, you know, it's it's about putting these guys in positions where they can they can thrive and putting them in positions where they can really find success. And I just think that's kind of been the story of this season uh, for this Bucks team. And we've seen it again and again and again. Um, a couple things I wanted to kind of zoom in on here. Malcolm Brogdon, as you mentioned, he's kind of yeah. I, I I would say he's probably had like three or so really good games here. Um, where and again, the the two on the weekend were pretty ugly, and you know tonight got ugly at times. But I guess this is just Bucks basketball in, in very good ways. In yeah. very good ways, yes, yeah, like ugly for the other team where it, it just you know kind of turns into slop when uh, a le- a level of you know lead is kind of achieved in the NBA like at, at some point they are are not super happy to be playing and everything kind of becomes sloppy but um one thing that i really i think and i talked to Malcolm about it a little bit after the game is that you know over these last couple of games it it's looked like Brogdon has caught the ball uh, with his feet set where he's he's a little bit more decisive and uh, he, he's either ready to shoot and knows that he's going to shoot or he's catching uh, with his like legs with his like legs bent and ready to attack immediately or even further than that, like he's catching on the go. Um, and that's all this, that's a, it's a really big part of Mike Boonholzer's offense. And I don't know if we saw that a ton in the first four games of the season uh, from Brogdon. Obviously we talked about the over dribbling in those first four games. I joked on Twitter that I don't know that Malcolm Brogdon listens to lockdown bucks, but he certainly has played like a guy that heard the podcast I recorded on Friday before uh, their game in Minnesota, because he, he has been just a lot more aggressive. He's been a lot more decisive. Um, a number of those over dribbling moments have kind of disappeared. And I, I asked him about that after the game. And he said one thing that, you know, he, he kind of started to reconsider before that, like, Wolves game was, you know, a lot of the times when he plays, he continues to play like a point guard because that's just kind of how he's wired, that he's thinking, okay, I need to be a point guard. And in this starting lineup, he wasn't thinking like, okay, I need to be a shooting guard. And he said kind of the, kind of the change there is that, you know, when he sees himself as a point guard, it's more about, probing and it's more about okay how do i get other guys involved while when he's playing more like a shooting guard it's how do i get to the rack and how how do i find a way to be aggressive get into the paint and make something happen and a lot of times that can be scoring but also obviously you can get some assists out of that as well but he said like that was kind of the mindset change that he's kind of tried to remind himself of uh, in these last couple games is that you know he I need to be attacking and I need to be ready to attack and not ready to probe or or ready to, to find other people. And I thought that was really interesting because I think if you watch these, if you've watched him over these last couple of games, I mean, I think that kind of, 
fell in line with my observation that I felt like he was catching it on the go more, that he was, you know, had his feet ready to go, that he was uh, ready to attack as soon as he got the ball. Like, it feels like all of those things have been uh, kind of true, and that would kind of make sense with the the mindset change. So, um, just kind of an interesting note from post game. Um, that doesn't feel like uh, something I want to write an article about at the Athletic, but like you know, there is kind of those adjustments that guys make within games and within seasons, and that kind of feels like something important for Brogdon uh, to kind of recognize and continue to improve on going forward. Obviously, a plus twenty-seven tonight. Uh, Thon Maker, you mentioned him, uh, did most of his damage in the first half, and I had someone tweet at me. Toronto, Toronto. Fun. <laughs> uh, I had a number of people tweet that at me, uh, just that you know you got to convince them that he's playing the Raptors every night. And then I had a uh, a couple other people tweet me at halftime, like, "Is Eric going to have to hit his high pitch voice and say, you know, is Thawmaker maybe an NBA player?" And it, funny enough, like obviously uh, Kane Pittman has joined us here in Milwaukee on the beat, and uh, Kane being the Aussie that he is, like you know, we always end up talking about uh, the Australians on the roster. And when Thon came in, like the first couple minutes were pretty rough. Uh, there, there was some bobbles, and uh, I think a rebound poked away from him, and uh, there was. Like oddly enough, one of the things that got him going was a pass from Dante DiVincenzo on a fast break where he somehow uh, shouts to Pratik Patel and this managed to look like a uh, baby deer fawn like running on ice where like the legs were just like all over the place and he like, kind of fell over and it was like, oh, okay. Um, but it was rough to start. And in my mind, I look... He got hip checked. Yeah. I understand. I understand what happened, but the way it looked was he couldn't control his legs and like he looked like Thon Maker trying to run. Like it was a difficult spot uh, for Thon, especially after a couple bobbles and stuff. And I, I kind of looked at Kane and I was like, I think I'm gonna have to get the high pitch voice out tonight. And he turned it around pretty much immediately after that. Like, I think a timeout came shortly after that. Thon mentioned post game that timeouts tend to kind of, calm him down a little bit and then he, he can really get into a good sequence. Um, but yeah, after that, I mean, he, I thought he was great and uh, to see him, you know, give up what 23 minutes tonight. Like, but I thought he looked pretty good in, in a number of those minutes uh, defensively uh, him at the fours a struggle. Uh, he's going to, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of growing to do there because uh, it's not a position he's really played a lot. Um, and I'm not sure that uh, Henson Maker lineups are, are really something anyone wants to see all that much. But uh, I thought, you know, uh, good for Thon that, you know, he, he had injuries and things that kind of kept him out. Uh, and, you know, when he got a, a longer leash, a long run tonight, that he was able to make some plays. Yeah, and didn't score in the second half, but you know, seven rebounds, which for him is a really good number. Um, yeah, and and after the kind of those early bobbles, actually looked a lot um, looked a lot better. I would say just in terms of his hands rebounding the ball, um, caught yep. a, a, an alley oop off a of pick and roll, um, got a couple dump offs for dunks as well, which was nice to see. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I think you know again, like you, you know, I think everybody's obviously rooting for Thon. Um, I've obviously been kind of skeptical about, you know, just how good he can be, what, what his real role is. Um, 
And and again, especially seeing him at the four is still just. And it was right around this time where Frank actually cut out, but that's okay. I, I kind of heard what he was trying to say, but uh, one of the things that's that's interesting with Thon is that you know when you're thinking about his usefulness and and what he means to the team, you think of obviously three point shooting and. Well, you know, John Henson has been hitting some threes and uh, he's been shooting it pretty well, um, which is uh, an interesting thing to say. And, uh, you know, that that's just kind of something that could hurt Thon's value a little bit. That could hurt Thon's uh, potential role, because if you have a guy in John Henson that is already hitting threes, then, you know, maybe you don't need uh, Thonmaker quite as much. So that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on. The other thing I kind of heard from Frank was he was asking a little bit about the crowd and, you know, how good it was tonight and uh, how good it was some of the other nights. And uh, there's kind of been some questions about are people showing up? Are they not showing up? And I think most of them kind of center around just, I I mean, the Bucks have had uh, just a couple home games at this point, but obviously you have the opener where, you have a big crowd and everyone excited and all ready to go. And then uh, you have a Monday night Knicks game. Uh, and then you have Wednesday against the Sixers and then Saturday against Orlando. And then uh, obviously tonight against Toronto. So uh, you have a number of home games and I, I think people were kind of concerned like, uh, is, is this Bucks team, uh, are, are Bucks fans showing up? Is Pfizer Forum going to be loud enough? Like all this stuff. And I think what's kind of interesting is that uh, Mondays are historically terrible nights to sell tickets for basketball games. And again, you can tell me I'm giving them excuses, whatever. I don't really care. Um, that's just kind of the facts that Monday nights are really bad nights for basketball games. Uh, and over the years, we've seen the Bucks try to do a number of promotions that could get people to come to those games and try to sell those games. And, uh, you know, that is, has always kind of been a concern. So, uh, you like the New York game, I'd, I didn't really think much of it. I, I think the game that everyone kind of circles is against Philadelphia. I think a lot of people didn't think the crowd was quite good enough and uh, they didn't have, it wasn't quite loud enough and they saw too many empty seats. And uh, I think there, there's a number of things to keep in mind there, but Wednesday night, eight thirty tip, that's going to hurt <laughs> no matter what. Uh, and I know you're going to say, well, it's a national TV game and uh, Bucks fans should show out and all those things. Well, you know, in that, in that lower bowl, you know, there's a lot of corporate seats there. And if you have work the next morning, you know, maybe you don't want to come to a game at eight 30. Uh, the fourth quarter of that game started at 10 30. I think it probably would have ended by 11. You uh, get in your car, you're going to probably get home at 11 30 or so like that. That's generally pretty late for most people to stay up. And, you know, maybe you don't want to commit to that. Uh, also that night, there's an Ed Sheeran concert at Miller park. Again, uh, you know, if you have, I don't know what the overlap is between Bucks fans and Ed Sheeran fans, but you know, if you are uh, a business uh, that has tickets to both of those, you might end up picking Ed Sheeran tickets because you're more interested in Ed Sheeran than the Bucks. Or, you know, again, it started at a more normal time and you wanted to do that as well. So uh, I kind of get the concerns, but 
I mean, I, I just think thus far this year, people have brought it when they needed to bring it. And I mean, tonight was a really impressive crowd for a Monday night. Like I said, Monday nights are bad nights for basketball, typically not very well uh, attended and typically not a night people tend to get excited about. And it, I thought it was really good. Uh, I just I thought it, I thought it was a great crowd uh, and I thought people were jacked to be there tonight and they just brought it and I guess that could be a little bit of a surprise with Giannis and Kawhi out, but I did think they brought it tonight. So I will say I was impressed by the crowd uh, tonight at Pfizer form as the Bucks win 124-109. That is going to be it for us for today. Uh, we'll talk again tomorrow. Next game for the Bucks is on Thursday against the Boston Celtics. So uh, we do have a little bit of uh, downtime here. Uh, first day off here in a long time uh, as the Bucks will have Tuesday and Wednesday to get ready for Boston on Thursday, uh, then finish up the week against Sacramento on Sunday before hitting the road uh, for a West Coast four-game trip uh, next week. So all of that will be a whole lot of fun to talk about, but for now we will wrap it up for today. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.